Hello, thank you for tuning in to Marketing Connected. My name is Janice Tan, and today we speak with Sylvia Chan, CEO and co-founder of Singaporean production company Night Owl Cinematics, also known as NOC. NOC was founded in 2012 and focused on influencer-driven content, working with brands such as Singtel, Capital N, Sony, Grab, Disney, and AirAsia, among others. The team later expanded to include two more brands under its wing, a food series named Food King and Sugar Melon, a Mandarin channel covering a range of activities from interviews and challenges to games and pranks. In October 2021, Sylvia was accused of using slurs and bullying employees. This led to netizens calling her out for her behaviour, while brands such as Colgate and Milo Singapore distanced themselves. NOC later responded to allegations against Sylvia, claiming that they are a massive crusade against the company's public image and reputation. Sylvia sat down recently with Marketing Interactive to share her plans for the company moving forward. This includes moving away from influencer-driven content to being a content-led brand and an incubator of ideas. Hi, Sylvia. Thank you for joining us today. Could you share how the past few months have shaped your vision for this new year? The thing is that for the past decade or so, we have been, and I myself actually, have been working so hard on a daily basis that I haven't really stopped to think uh, what kind of direction we would want to be you know, in the next phase. So the paradox is that the crisis actually allowed me a breather to really sit back and rethink on what is meaningful to myself, mm. what is meaningful for the organization, and what we really want to bring to the table, you know, for our clients, um, for our community, as well as our creators, you know, moving forward. So I guess it allowed me space to actually rethink our position, right? And to figure out what we want to double down on and what we want to really let go of. So because of that, um, I have managed to actually identify the areas that we particularly would love to really uh, focus on. And that would be NOC to really focus on being a content-led brand, you know, rather than an influencer-led brand. Mm -hmm. We want to spend our days, you know, being like incubator of ideas. Okay. Right? We want to spend our days just really creating, you know, being creators of uh, meaningful content, you know. And after that, we want to really curate brand success with, with all these resources that we have. And I think the team is very aligned, you know, on this new refocused direction as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Speaking of that, right, um, there are several content creation and social media agencies in the industry. And NOC stood out because of its humor and the way the content was created. What do you think your USP would be now that you have changed your direction? I think uh, there are a few reasons why. We are a better company than they do. It's because, number one, we will be very content-led, not influencer-led. Mm -hmm. This actually means that the team is really focused on the innovation process. Mm -hmm. You know, the team is here to build their specialization. 
the team here, every day we are working on frameworks of content creation. We are really doubling down in uh, the training and mentorship of people within the teams, you know, of these skill sets to really be able to incubate a lot more ideas, right? And to really be more discerning actually in the creation process because we know that the creation process takes time and quite a bit of resources and effort. Mm -hmm. You can expect a team where we are highly specialized and we know content. So I think when brands come to us, right, what they can expect would be a very specialized team that really knows how to amplify the messaging mm-hmm. and to really deliver a really sharper content that focuses on the messages trying to drive. And the second thing, of course, just to say it's collaboration. And I believe that collaboration takes us a lot further. Previously in NOC, we haven't really collaborated uh, externally, but more of internally, right? So I think uh, collaboration with partners, especially with Gashkar, whom I can mention, right? Yeah. They actually have international arm. Collaboration is going to help us, I believe, okay, to be much more future ready and to be more agile because we will be exposed to a lot more uh, markets. We'll be exposed to a lot more data points. We'll be exposed to a lot more of different content, you know, that we can actually now have eyeballs on, mm-hmm. you know, as we collaborate with these partners. In addition to collaboration and keeping abreast of what's going on in the industry, right? Um, how else are you planning to stay ahead of the curve in today's day and age? I'm actually a very, very, uh, how do I say it? I'm actually a very books kind of person. Okay. So I actually enjoy reading books. Course. And uh, one thing is I will continue, of course, right? Yeah. Of course, with the team to do a lot more uh, content research, market research, to keep up the trends, right? But I think the interesting thing um, that I think I'm really blessed with is really the presence and appearance of a lot more mentors mm. and a lot more guidance, mm-hmm. right? And these are actually a lot of CEOs, big brands directly you know being around and this has led me to you know really learn from their personal sharing and some of these CEOs have like I don't know 30 years of experience you know seeing market come and go and seeing you know tides turn and change so you know hearing their stories and you know um, being able to actually reach out to them you know just via text mm-hmm. you know for advice mm-hmm. I think that has really opened up my eyes in terms of uh, perspective you okay. know and learning I guess you know following what you are curious about also requires you to take risks which can be scary also right so how do you tell your team that you know it's okay to fail and just keep trying Right. So this is something that I heard from uh, one of the ladies for a nicely mentoring me, right? Then I asked her how. She said, I tell you, the answer to everything is gratitude. <laughs> and I was like, really? And she's like, yes. Because the thing is, I do write a gratitude journal, okay. right? But she says that if, do you, and she asked me whether it works for me. And I said, definitely. And it's the reason why that, you know, I'm quite strong to pull through a lot of things because I just choose to see what's positive. Mm. And she actually asked them, why did you not implement it company-wide? Okay. And I was like, huh? This company is not personal. And I mean, there's one thing that I learned that um, it's not just about uh, driving higher quality of work. It's really about driving, driving a higher quality of lives, mm. you know, for us within the company. 
you know, and if something works for me personally, right, it will be able to work on a company-wide level because why, at the end of the day, we are all really just humans trying to do our best, mm-hmm. right? So I implemented that. It was really embarrassing at the start. So every Friday is Gratitude Friday. Okay. And like we are really, really required to actually text three people in a company um, about what are we grateful for for them, right? So uh, it's interesting because some people texted me and said, I think not so popular until now because I think I gave them a range of people they have to express their thanks mm. to and it involves um, somebody who has helped you daily, okay. or somebody who is uh, quite an unsung hero, right? it even involves people that you would never speak to and you don't even understand what they do. Mm. <laughs> right? So it ended up with a lot more communication mm-hmm. within the company. And I think that that is a great step forward. Yeah. yeah. It's something tangible yeah. that is actually working. Okay, let's, um, let's switch gears and talk about yourself. We know that, you know, the last few months of 2021 were very tough for you. You were accused of mistreating employees and there was an anonymous blog post and Instagram account revealing the inner workings of NOC. As a result, um, the internet was abuzz with this news and netizens were also calling you out. Do you feel that you have bounced back from that? I truly believe that there are a lot of nuances in things. And, you know, um, every day is a paradox. You know, I can be upset. I can be hurt, right? But at the same time, I could also be in a space and time when I feel the most supported and the most loved. And during the time, it was when I felt really the disparity. I'm feeling both ends and they're all happening at the same time, you know? Just as probably the public see that, oh, you know, some of the old uh, collaborators are leaving, but I also see a huge influx, you know, of people that I respect in the industry really just reaching out, right? And then forming new relationships, you know? And therefore, I think it's truly a crisis in the very sense of the Chinese writing of it. It is a time of danger, but it is truly also a time of opportunity. So that is how I truly feel about it. What did you do to keep your mental health in check during that period? Um, Because, you know, you said you were experiencing different emotions at once, right? What did you do to stay sane? You know, in the midst of busy work, Mm -hmm. you know, I really put things that should really be important uh, to a human, right, at at the backseat. You know, so things like, um, you know, uh, doing exercise, I didn't do that, right? You know, uh, binge eating, I'm the queen of stress eating, everybody knows. (laughs) Really, right? So I think I'm really, really proud that I've uh, put in some habits in my life that are really, really good for me. And I've also really realized the power of these small compound habits mm-hmm. versus any big events. Yeah. Now I have really more time to connect with people who really matter the most, you know? And I realized the impact that surrounding yourself with this good company, it is really quite exponential, you know? So I made a habit of that, right? And, uh, my brother has not lived with me. So because of COVID, he has to live with me, right? But the great thing is, right, um, we got the chance to actually be much closer together. It's really, really nice to reconnect with our family as well. I have truly learned how to sit back and really savor the smaller things, 
you know, and learning and picking up all these small habits. Yeah. And this has really helped greatly in terms of improving our lifestyle or like yeah. mental health. I'm really drawing a boundary between myself and the public, you know, social media space mm-hmm. because I realized that I'm actually a more private person and you know, indulging in these kind of small scale things, correct, is my idea of fun to really dare to embrace that part of you, you know, rather than to go with what is supposed to be normal for you. Mm-hmm. And I think for the longest time as a you know, somebody working in the public space, mm-hmm. right? I'm actually told to follow quite a few norms, you know, mm-hmm. such as you have to be at that event. Yeah. You know, you have to show up, you know, you have to be uh, more outspoken, even though, you know, they really might not subscribe to my own values, mm-hmm. right? So to really be allowed that space and permission to, you know, do all that, that was very nice. You know, being a public figure also means that you're exposed to cancel culture. How do you handle that? So I think for the longest time, because like I said, right, I, I had mental health issues when I was younger, right? Which I actually signed up for a course to deal with it. Okay. Right? And mm-hmm. I also read out a lot on this matter. So I think when it happened, a piece of my mind, and I know this for, um, because of the books that I read, that a lot of times when you are shown uh, hate, right, it's truly because the people are experiencing that sort of negative emotions in their lives as well. Another way to phrase it would be a very happy person won't be bothered by such news, you know, because it really won't resonate with them. You know, they are too busy doing the joyful things in their life, you know, to be on this anyway. So I think what this shows is that probably my uh, incident that I'm in, right, probably has a few um, topics or areas, right, that really triggered people you know, and reminded them of, you know, such things in their lives as well. Mm. I've started to learn that, you know, it might really not be me that they're upset over. It could be, you know, the things that I'm associated with. Brands might want to distance themselves or cut ties with influencers or public figures, you know, when there's a public backlash. How do you deal with such backlash that also ends up impacting your professional partnerships? The good thing is that People in the industry, I think they are just so understanding, right? Otherwise, I really wouldn't have so many people reach out you know, and offer to collaborate and work together. So on a professional front, I've started to see that um, brands with a lot of expertise or brands who are around for a long time or just market leaders, mm-hmm. right? They are really pretty much unaffected. A lot of them tell me, Sylvia, I've been here so long, you know, you know, types, you know, they come and they change and whatever it is, right? What matters is, you know, we stay and we stay true to our core values, right? So that is one thing I've learned. But on the public front, I also understand that that is another story, right? And I've learned one big lesson, which is just accepting that people are different and Mm -hmm. people uh, are going to be disagreeing and that is probably the best and only thing that we can do, and that is enough. In the past, we have heard from influencers about how the brands they work with actually empathized with them in private. However, due to public backlash, um, you know, they had to issue a public statement and distance themselves from the influencers to protect their brand reputation. Have you had any clients who did the same, and how did you manage those conversations? 
So definitely, right, we have a lot of clients um, tell us that, in fact, I had one client, okay, maybe it's a small SME, right? So she owns a small company that I've actually been helping uh, pro bono for the longest time, right? So during the saga, I think she was the one that found it particularly difficult because on one hand, I helped her yeah. uh, free of charge. On another hand, you know, because of the association, she's getting um, harassed. Okay. So I think that was a incident that's in my head now because she said that she feels really bad because, you know, she has truly benefited mm. from me helping her previously. However, she mentioned that she has received so many nasty threats, you know, that she has personally actually shown me. And I felt so bad for her because I know she's a small local business and she's trying to survive, right? And immediately I told her, you know what, I am going to remove it because, you know, you are you are going to be suffering directly from this. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that brands who distance themselves, right? There are many multiple reasons for it. And I've seen firsthand that one reason could be they are also the target of mm. such harassment and hate mm. and it makes their life difficult to continue as well. So I think it's a tough situation for yeah. everyone, you know, when such things happen. Adding on to that, right, Colgate and Milo Singapore distanced themselves from you last year as a result of the incident. Did this also result in other clients backing out? I think during that time, right, any brand that probably got harassed Right, had every rightful ground, you know, to want to protect their own brand, right? And as a creator and as somebody who collaborated with so many brands throughout the decade, I understand just how difficult it is to build positive brand equity mm-hmm. and how fast you know a brand can actually lose that, mm-hmm. you know. So in that sense, right, I believe these brands are doing their very best at that time, mm-hmm. you know, to protect what they have, you know, built for so long. I think, again, it's just a blessing that there was enough time for the dust to settle, mm-hmm. right? And it was also a auspicious time that we really just entered the new year. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, collectively, right, as humans in the middle of uh, a pandemic, right, we're also sick and tired of all the burdens that we're carrying last year, yeah. you know, and when, you know, the clock turned, everyone is like, oh, finally, finally. New, year, new start, you know, yeah. and a lot of brands reach out and say, hey, happy to collaborate with y'all over again. What is one thing you wished people knew when it comes to being a female leader and a content creator? I would say that number one, it is really tough. However, I think I'm also in such a privileged position. Mm-hmm. Because I have a voice in this time and space, which I am truly very thankful for, right? So I guess the challenge for me always is how to use that voice responsibly and to really talk about the things that matter to me and the people that I care about. Thank you for tuning in to Marketing Connected. This podcast is part of a bigger story that details how Sylvia and NOC are shifting away from influencer-driven content to being a content-led brand and an incubator of ideas. To read the full story on Sylvia's new vision for the company and her upcoming plans, visit www.marketing-interactive.com.